everybody. Welcome back to Breakfast with Bob from .tev Challenge Roth Edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by Master Spas, As Fuels Go Longer, Hoka Let's Fly, Form Smart Swim Goggles, Zoot, the original triathlon brand, Premium Plus Sports, and of course, our Challenged Athletes Foundation. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary. We've now raised $159 million and sent out over 44,000 grants to keep challenged athletes in a game of life through sports. Someone who knows sports pretty damn well. He is a legend in our sport. Two-time Ironman 70.3 world champion, Ironman world champion, Mr. Sebastian Keenley joins us from his estate somewhere in Germany. How you doing, Sebi? Uh, thanks, Bob. Um, I'm definitely feeling better um, as soon as I see this wonderful uh, backdrop. <clears throat> I think I'll need this for, for any future meetings because... It gives you a good feeling uh, right right away um, and uh, brings a little bit of the who goes on the rocks uh, vibes uh, to me to Mühlacker, um, where I'm currently uh, am. And uh, to answer your question, it has been honestly uh, two, three uh, tough weeks for me um regarding races and everything that happened in uh at ironman uh, hamburg where i was uh, co-commentating for german tv yeah um but yeah i mean nobody knows better um uh, than you that uh, life has some ups and downs and um yeah so uh, I finished this last weekend definitely on the upside i was in the beautiful busk um, uh, part of, of Spain and uh, I've done a race there uh, which was absolutely amazing um, if you ever want to do a race in Europe and you like spectators that are not just cheering for the first um, uh, guy but for everybody um, that are not just uh, cheering for uh, you know their family member but for every single person that's on the course, like it's their brother or it's the winner of the race, uh, go to Zarauz because it's a crazy race. And uh, yeah, it felt really good to um, uh, to hold up a tape again and and win a race again. It was quite some some time ago um, that I won my last race, and I mean I gave myself plenty of opportunities in the last uh, couple of um, months. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, uh, I finished this um, last phase uh, before before Ross on a on a high note. Well, you you mentioned Hamburg, and obviously that's on everybody's mind. Anytime, and it's funny. I was just watching a, a video series on a Tour de France, and you see the motos and the cars and the bikes and all that stuff doesn't mix. You got narrow roads and you got cobbles and all sorts of things when you're doing the commentating and you're watching, because you, when you're in the race, you're a little bit of in a cocoon, the motos are there, but you don't notice them as much as when you're doing the commentating. Could you tell right away? It's like, okay, there's too much going on here. It's, you know, in hindsight, it's always easy to, um, to judge and to say, because uh, like you said, um, we have the situation for a long time and we had it in a lot of races and nothing happened, you know, and um, we have the saying in Germany, I don't want it to paint the devil on the wall, you know, um, I mean, it was quite obvious that, that also because of, you know, it's probably Jan's last race in, in Germany, you know, um, nice. 
it's so much more media attention and uh yeah it was just so much more crowded on the on the front of the race than i think everybody expected it but yeah i mean like you said sitting there in front of this big screen and uh, seeing the race unfold i didn't have a good feeling about it and uh yeah but then I mean, that's that's the difficult thing in this situation. Like, you can't really do anything um, about it anymore. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was very very tough. And um, yeah, um, I don't know. At one point, you think like you are so hardened up, you know, because you you see so many uh, bad accidents and things to happen. But for me, in this situation being uh, one of the persons responsible uh for uh, you know commentating the the race and what what the people see on on screen and um that was uh, really really tough um i just hope that uh we uh, we can take you know something away from this and um make the sport uh, safer for for everybody and uh, i think that's uh, that's the important thing is that we uh, as humans always learn from um i would not say mistakes because it's difficult to say uh, who made mistakes you know right. um uh, everybody i think uh, involved in the race made a mistake at one point it's from the organizers to the motorbike or uh, to uh, like even the athletes you know i mean we also we as athletes are part of this and i know also from myself you know i mean I have my YouTube channel and of course I also this year I tried to get my media guy on a motorbike in in a race make a better coverage for everybody you know right. and put this is a pretty slippery slope you know it's, um so therefore um I think we all have to learn from from uh, from that and um uh, moving forward to make the sport safer um uh, for everybody but of course, at the same time, we still want the sport to grow. We want the sport to, to prosper and therefore we need good coverage and so on. So, yeah, but I think there is there is uh, ways how we can get these two things together. So that's the important thing from now to move forward and uh, find solutions. Yeah, it's interesting going back, obviously, before YouTube channels, everybody, we had all these magazines out there. So you're, you're, have iron, you're part of that. Every magazine was on a moto because every photographer wanted their own shots. And I remember when it was like, and where are the photographers going to be? They're not going to be back with 20th place. <laughs> They're going to be with the leader. I mean, can you remember um, the first, um, uh, I I mean, uh, I have this like wonderful book from you. And uh, can you remember the first couple of um, like really big fights between Mark Allen and Dave Scott, where they had behind them, there was like a, I mean... <laughs> It was crazy. There were not just 20 motorbikes. It was like hundreds of people like on motorbikes, uh, yeah. in cars. Uh, um, I can remember when we had the media truck out in uh, in Hawaii, like where um, the people, all the photographers were on this truck, like standing on the truck, um, shooting from, uh, from the truck. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's nothing new. Um, and most of the time it did go well but um yeah unfortunately 
not uh, not this time. And I think, like we said, like like I said, I think uh, we have to to take consequences from this. Right. Yeah, and we all we learned from all this. But you're right. Like 1989, there was there was so many motos and vehicles following Mark and Dave. There was still cyclists trying to get through <laughs> to get back to town. No. They couldn't get through. But you know that again, th at least when you're when those guys were running, they're going slower. So there wasn't yeah. the motos. Yeah, it, it's it's always an issue because you, you always it's almost like when you see a little kid soccer game. And there's the ball and every kid runs to the ball. That's what those guys do around the leaders. So it's dividing up and saying, okay, we're going to have three motos and dividing it up and figuring out how to do it. But it's, it's just horrific when you, when you see something like that happen and it always brings us back to how do we make it safer? And you guys are, when you're racing, you're oblivious. You don't, you know, you, you don't really, you're looking at the other guys you're racing against. You're not seeing all those motos. So it's, it's crazy. How has this year been for you as this is your your sort of swan song? This is your your last year as, as a professional triathlete. Um, just going to places you want to go to, racing against people you want to race. Has it been has it been fun? Yeah, it, um, uh, <laughs> it was definitely or it is definitely not easy um, to uh, find this balance between Yes, I, I want to enjoy uh, the journey. You know, I want to enjoy these places where I travel to. Um, at the same time, I still want to be competitive. You know, I mean, I, you know, when I was uh, in New Zealand and you walk past this, uh, let's say, walk of fame where you have all these banners with uh, all the winners from the past. And I walked past there and uh, I was like, Ah, oh, damn! I want to. I want to have my name on one of these banners because it's just such an iconic uh, uh, race. And uh, uh, so, so finding this balance has not been easy. To be uh, to be honest, it's uh, it was actually, or it is quite quite difficult, you know. Um, and I think that's part of the of the process of retiring, and therefore. I think I choose the right way, even if it's not always the easy way to uh, to not just, you know, I could have said after Kona, okay, this was it. I had one great last race and yep. goodbye. Yes. Um, but I wanted to really uh, do a, a couple of races that I've not been able to. And, um, but yeah, to, to, to approach these races with the right mindset to also maybe realize that I'm not able to uh, win these races with 90% uh, preparation and, um, you know, not a hundred percent sharpness. It's just not possible anymore. You know, I, I, I would have said three years ago when I started to make this plan, I thought, okay, for these races, this is not Kona, I can win all these races. Like, it's no problem. You know, I win this with 90%. Right. And uh, at that time, I think it would have even been possible, you know, because um, it the sport changed a lot in the last uh, three years. And uh, I didn't, I'm not going that much faster, but the other guys are definitely going to go much, much faster. 
And uh, so therefore it was definitely a little bit of a tougher <laughs> landing than what I saw. Um, but nonetheless, I, I've actually really enjoyed this. And from all the past experiences in the sport, I very well know that on a short-term basis, you might be very pissed about the result and your performance and blah, blah, blah. But two, three years later, you not remember really uh, like how the how you what place you made in this race but you can remember uh, running this absolutely beautiful trail around lake wanaka having yes. a barbecue uh, um uh, with with friends um uh, with with braden and and his family and uh, and that's the things that um that will stick to you and that uh and that that's this whole year about it's like um you know sucking up um so many emotions um as as many emotions as possible <laughs> so that i can tell the stories in the next 30 years <laughs> exactly or and when i when i look at i'm like looking at all these at these stats right from all these years and the stats mean less to me than you against Jan, right? You and Lionel, just those different battles that we've seen you in. And I'm guessing that's what means the most to you too. The times where is Lionel beat you, you beat him, you're running side by side with Jan, Donnelly, E drive. Those are the moments that stick in my head when I think of your career is just all those great moments with, with your competitors because the, your competitors make you who you are. Absolutely. And um, that's not just in the sporting world. It's also uh, as a human being, you know, um, and that that was uh, it was like this from the very beginning. And um, that's also what I try to pass on to my fellow competitors now um, to the young guys is I can remember, you know, when I started racing in uh, these local races here in the Rhein-Neckar Cup and Timo Pracht, the Norman Stadler, <laughs> uh have been there and Jürgen Sack when I raced the first time in uh in uh, in Ross and um you know that that really uh created me as an athlete and um I'll I'll definitely try to to be like them when when they were at their stage in the in the career and uh, now I realize how how also how tough it is to <laughs> to be at that stage, and you have this sort of like uh, legend status, but you still want to win the races, you of know. Course. But then the young kids come and they kick your ass at one point, and <laughs> um, but the, now I re realize even more how how humble and how how great um, um, they they were. So when I look at Challenge Roth, and you were second there in 2010, 2011, you win it in 2018, and I remember the 2018 race because that was Cam was Cam Worth was there, and Jesse Thomas, and and one of the things that Cam said to me in an interview, he goes, so I'm I'm running along, and Sevy goes by me, and I'm like, oh, he looks like shit, he's gonna die, you know, he's he looks awful. He goes, then Jesse goes by. And he looked even worse. And and then, you know, you get first and Jesse gets third. And Cam said, I learned that you can't tell from the outside 
what's going on with that person. They can look like crap, but they can still be running really, really fast. And he learned that you have to suffer if you want to win these races. And so for you, winning that race in 2018, that being such an iconic German race, how, how important was that to you? I think, first of all, um, it's a lot about Cam's perspective and um, his reception of his own and how the others look. Um, uh, he always thinks everybody else looks like shit. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I think um, I, I was not just running a good 30 seconds per K faster than him at that time, but I was looking like a minute faster than him on that time. And that didn't change uh, at all during the marathon. So um, I think he told himself that everybody else looks like shit. But the truth was the only guy that was looking like shit at this situation was himself. Um, but actually, he learned one important lesson is uh, sometimes you have to tell yourself that everybody else looks like shit. And Cam is like pretty good in that. That's for sure. <laughs> um but no, I mean, uh, I think um, it's always it's always fun to uh, to have this little banters with um, with Cam, and Cam definitely knows, knows like nobody else how to suffer. I mean, <laughs> yes, this dude does a half marathon after the real bad man. Come on, I mean, um, uh, and a half fast Ironman to know how to suffer. I mean, from uh, the get go of his career, I think this guy was uh, was was born to to be able to to suffer and he uh, he really lost it i think we if we would invent like a ironman tour de france where you have to do an ironman every uh, single day either either him ben hoffman or i'm not so sure i yeah i think it's either him or ben <laughs> who, who will win the series of like 30 ironmans in a row or something like that but um yeah, I mean, uh, it's what's definitely true is um, in Ironman a lot can can happen on a long distance in in every in every every race, and I learned that the hard way when I've been uh, in Kona, I think the first time, and um, I overtook Freddy van Lierde at the very beginning of the of the run. Yeah, and I mean, he was going so slow. I was like, okay. Uh, he's not gonna finish in day daylight. Um, if he starts like this, he's gonna uh, gonna walk soon. And well, twenty five k's later, he came back, and then it looked totally different. I mean, it was just uh, it was just crazy, and that's uh, that's really the thing. And um, I mean, that's also what, for example, enabled me to to get this last. Um, yeah, good result in in Kona uh, last year was when um, Magnus uh, ran away from me. Yes. Um, at in the energy lab, I knew that this is not over. Like, um, uh, just because somebody is moving away from you at that point doesn't mean that you're not gonna see him again later. And um, there, that's the reason why usually it's so difficult for uh, for rookies to win win in Kona. Um, because you have to make these experiences to to realize what it really takes mentally to perform well at these races. It's not just and and also, you know, the last time I raced in Ross, I dropped out right on the bike. I mean, the race hadn't even started at that point. And 
what you really realize is then how important it really is mentally. Because I thought I'm really, really well prepared. I'm on the start line and I just have to push the play button mm -hmm. and the race will go good because I'm prepared. But the thing is, all your training, everything just brought you to the start line. It's that is just the start of this whole thing. <laughs> like, um, it's not that you just, you know, uh, that this race cares about what you trained and, and so on. It's like you, you have to bring it to the table on this day. And um, that's the tough thing. And that's the reason why a lot of people then not perform well on race day, even if they had an absolutely crazy and good um, lead up to the race and a great preparation. So have there been races where you go into it thinking, God, I, my preparation has been really crap. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky if I get through this race and then you end up winning it or having a, just a great performance. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, the, 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 that just shows you how, how mental this, this sport can be, you know. Um, it's, I think if you have a good preparation, you put a lot of pressure on yourself because you think, okay, my preparation has been great. I um, uh, need to win this race. And, uh, and then you fail because it's not like a computer game where you can press reset, you know. It's, the game is on. Um, and if something goes wrong, there's no rewind, you know, it's, you have to, 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 to work a whole other year to have the chance again. And you never know if you're going to get this chance again. And a lot of people crack under that pressure, but if you had a really bad preparation, a lot of people just think like, Oh, I have no chance. Um, I'll just see what the day brings. And they're relatively relaxed and they're not freaking out. And then, and then they perform well. Um, to be at the very top, you have to bring both things together. That's not a doubt. I mean, even in 2014, when my preparation has been really, really bad and uh, I was not believing in myself and so on, at the end, you can't just look at the last four weeks of your training or the last six weeks. Um, it's the last like five years or 10 years exactly. or whatever. And yeah this has been great so and that's also the important thing is like i'm always telling the um, the amateurs when they ask me okay what can i do in the lead up to the race it's like you know you have to relax yourself and tell you yourself what happens in the last two three days is not ruin your race or something like that i mean of course you can ruin your race by breaking your toe or whatever but um it's not if you sleep bad in the night before the race, you're not going to race well. But if you ensure that, then you're going to actually sleep well because you know that's not a pressure that you have to sleep well. And so I think that's that's really the the balance you have to find that you should not freak out about the little things. You know, I mean, yeah, do the little things right, but don't freak out about them. That's really uh, uh, to find this balance is the hardest thing in a, in the sport. When you look back at the races that mean the most to you, I'm guessing that it has less to do with you winning the race and more to do with some of the experiences that happened in those in those races. What races do stick out that way? Just that that, that was an experience that I'll always take with me. Yeah, I think um, uh, 
you you uh, you put it exactly right i mean um of course everybody says like yeah 2014 and yeah that's that's right but um the first time when i ra raced in in uh, kona was even way more important for me because i had a flat tire there i lost some time and uh, i ended up fourth place and yep. um uh, i realized okay you are actually made for this yeah so this is this is a race where you can where you can compete with the best in the world because for some people it just isn't um there's are some people that won a lot of races but they never won in kona because they just struggle with the heat or whatnot or they get really uh, they, they have really mental struggles with these races. and for me it was the other other way around from the very first race i knew this is good and i mean besides the year that i dropped out in 2018 i finished all my kona races within the, the top 10 and um and i think that that's definitely something i'm proud of because it's very tough uh to not have a bad day every uh, let's say three or four years i mean uh, most most guys had a had a day of walking uh, in in kona um or a really really off off year i never had that beside no. 2018 where, where i struggled a lot with my Achilles. but um yeah other than that i mean uh, the very uh, um the very first uh, medal on a on a, a national level was actually a duathlon championship in germany and uh, i became second there and this was in 2003 i think okay and that was really important for me i mean at that age you know it it means so much to you and um it just fueled my passion you know it was exactly the right thing like I didn't win the race, so uh, I wasn't overconfident, but I was close enough to really have this slight taste of success, but not enough to be satisfied, you know, so that was really good. And then uh, I think, yeah, the very first race in Ross, obviously. I mean, I was the first rookie ever to break uh, eight hours on, on the very first attempt. Um, I broke the... I think 10 year old um, bike world best um, uh, in that race from, from Jürgen, Jürgen Sack. And I mean, that put me on the list of everybody and also on the list of a lot of sponsors. And that helped uh, for sure in the, in the years after. Well, and then you get, yeah, so you got second in 2010, second in 2011, and then uh, winning it in 2018. I don't know how many guys have won Roth, won 70.3 worlds won ironman worlds won ironman germany that's uh that's probably a fairly short list who've done all four of those i think jan did it um, uh, yeah jan has done it other other than that i don't think that anybody no. else did it no that's a pretty cool list <laughs> i'm i'm thinking about if um norm did it but i'm not not 100 percent sure um also because uh frankfurt is not around for that long i mean right. i don't want to come around cocky here but um <laughs> uh, so when i decided to retire i made the contract with ross uh, already right yeah um uh, i knew my plan but my original plan was actually to win ross another two times because <laughs> then i would have had three wins in frankfurt 
and three wins in Ross. And um, that would have definitely been um, something that would stand for quite quite some time. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to have some lofty goals. Otherwise, you're not going to get out of the door and get moving. Um, so this will be unfulfilled. I leave that one to, to somebody else. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, you have to have some dreams. <laughs> yes, you do. So when after this year, what what will you be doing? Obviously, I can't see you not training because that's part of who you are and what you do. But uh, you, will you just jump in and do some races in age grouper, do some relays? No, no. You're going to be like Mark Allen, drop the mic and never do another race. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not going to do another triathlon. Or let's put it that way. I'm not going to race as an, as an age grouper. Um, I think it's quite hard to say never because things change, you know, I mean, maybe in 20 years, I, I'll, I'll do another race. I, I don't know yet, but um, I'm for sure. I'm not going to um, try to seal any amateurs, any uh, Kona slots or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's for sure. But um I, my plan is to do one year of um uh, gravel racing nice. off-road gravel racing um i'm i'm gonna apply for the lifetime series in the us um are you anybody listens to it <laughs> um uh, yeah we'll we'll see i mean uh it's it's an, basically an invitation series but um it's the most iconic races i've always been been following it um no matter if it's uh, Unbound or Ledwell or um, yeah, all the uh, other iconic um, gravel events. Um, that would be one of the things. Um, just, I mean, it's not to ease myself out, but um, uh, I think I still have something, some, uh, some competition uh, left in me. But I just, you know, I just can't do any triathlon anymore. It's... Um, I'm yeah I'm just about to burn out with the sport you know it's uh, and then also right now it's actually, I'm actually feeling quite quite healthy but when I had to make decisions um you know I had so many uh, niggles um uh, my killers my knee uh, my hip my shoulder <laughs> they're always yeah there there was always something you know and um and then it's going to be very tough to to stay motivated when you when there's always something hurting you know and i went to like so many uh runs of um rehab with the achilles yes. and and it actually worked like i'm running fine you know i mean i can do the the, the amount of running i want to do and get fit for this last last season and last races but i know that it's not gonna last very long you know i mean i can already feel that it's coming back and uh i think it will hold up this year and it's fine but then i have to do something else i i still want to enjoy racing and uh um yeah i'm still you know my partners they're still with me and they they support me so um yeah this is a good way for me to uh um uh, to still still be active and still you know yeah um race in a competition but uh just not in triathlon anymore and i mean look at heather for example, um, yeah. Jackson, and she's doing great. You know, I mean, yes. of course I know. And uh, for me, it's very, I mean, it will be super tough to win any of those races, but I can bring something to the table, you know, um, 
and yeah that's the plan for next year and then obviously uh, support my family you know it's um it's an important thing for me as well it's um right now my wife she's taking care about pretty much everything and um yeah from next year on it's probably more more about me hopefully <laughs> so you'll spend a fair amount of time next year in the u.s i uh, if i get the chance to do that then i'll absolutely will and i'm looking looking forward to that i think um of course i try to do this whole trip uh, with my with my family i mean yes. uh, um yeah since i started um racing as a professional i've spent a lot of time stateside and um it would also be great to to do this last little or not little <laughs> big road trip yeah um through the us um uh with with my family you know that would be uh would be amazing to just uh rent a trailer and uh you know go to go to these races and um yeah and show uh, and show my son son the us and um oh, yeah fun. that that would be one of the of the things i would like to do but yeah we'll see i mean <laughs> plans change quickly nowadays so one of the cool things you did years ago with Ben Hoffman was you guys went to Cape Epic, which was, I know, something that you guys both really enjoyed. It was a little bit out of the, a little bit off the triathlon beaten path. That thing, was, that thing is brutal. Everybody I've talked to who's gone over there for that was like, oh my God, that's the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done. How, how, how do you rank that in terms of how tough it was? I mean, uh, that's exactly when I, when I said like, you can't remember your place or ranking or uh, but you still speak about the experience that's exactly the the best example for this because it was horrible man i mean <laughs> um from day one you know um uh, ben had like really bad diarrhea <laughs> yeah i also had it but not as bad as ben ben was like really really suffering and ben <laughs> can suffer like nobody else i mean I think he had two liters of Coke for breakfast every single day, <laughs> looking like a ghost, but always telling me he's feeling better. <laughs> and he was about to, I mean, for him, it was very costly, you know, because oh, he crashed yeah. and then um, he injured his back and uh, he was a defending champion at Ironman South Africa and uh, he still wanted to do it and then had to walk the marathon and it was horrible, but... <laughs> Yeah, now we, we have a good laugh on it. You know, it was um, it was definitely it was definitely fun. I mean, <laughs> um, not yeah, a good example for type D fun probably, but uh, yeah, I think it's just a good example that you have to move outside your comfort zone um, to really enjoy uh, the comfort right. zone again afterwards. <laughs> and at one point, you become very comfortable in this outside the comfort zone in triathlon, you know, um, because you're so used to it and it's not like, it's still hard, of course, but it's not the same challenge than it was when you started. And um, I think that's the reason why we enjoyed it. It's, it was a completely new challenge. Of course, it's, uh, it's something similar to what we do, like an endurance event and uh, yeah. so on, but, everything else is totally different and so therefore um yeah it was also for us it was outside the comfort zone <laughs> and um yeah something uh, we're gonna have some beers on and a barbecue and uh and laugh about it <laughs>
And, and during during your career, you get connected with with this with this uh, this amazing guy Lionel Sanders, who just over the years just he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He tells you all the mistakes he makes, but he's also a fierce competitor. You had a lot of crazy races with. I remember you telling me once it's like he had a what a two hundred yard lead and it was just an, a little out and back and. You know, you want to like high five the guy, and he's sprinting like he's he's like yeah. he's like somebody is two inches behind him. Yeah, and it just there's something different about Lionel that obviously makes him special. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, uh, if he wants it or not, he is definitely one of the poster boys for for our sport. You know, and um, uh, it also shows you the great variety we have of personalities in in the sport, and um, yeah, so therefore it's it's just cool, yeah, to have all these these guys, um, and and be able to to share the race course with them. And I will always remember <laughs> these races with with Lionel. I hope um, we cross paths this this year. Um, I'll try to race uh, the PTO uh, Asia Open in, in Singapore, and maybe he will be there. I'm I'm not sure. I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lionel, Lionel can definitely suffer like nobody else in the sport. So this era, starting with your win in, in Kona in 2014, then Jan wins two, then Patrick wins two, then Jan wins another one, right? And that era of from 2014 to 2019 was German, 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 led by, you know, you you sort of kicked that off. Uh, back home, did that just bring a lot more attention to the sport, the fact that Germany was having so much success? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like everywhere. You probably, um, the Germans love a German winner, you know, um, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this, especially Jan, I think um, he... Uh, he was bigger than the sport in Germany, you know. I mean, he became German sports uh, person of the year um, against Formula One world champions and uh, Olympic champions and, and so on and so on. So, um, and, and also Patrick, he, he won, was, won most of the, won, one of the most um, important media prizes in, in Germany. Um, yeah, I mean that was definitely a great advertisement for for our sport in in Germany and helped to to maintain the growth. I would say the growth was always a healthy growth. You know, it's not it wasn't like exploding and then completely deflating after we don't have a German winner anymore. But the good thing is for for us is um, that now the women continue this success. Yeah, and um, with, with with Laura and with Anne, we have probably. A, two of the biggest favorites for this year's edition in, in Kona. And, um, and that's, that's, that's really good. You know, I mean, that's really good for our sport because I think the, the growth in our sport, it has to happen in the women's um, on the women's side, not on the men's side. The men's side is, I think it's almost satisfied. You know, it's very right. difficult to create more growth in that area. But um, in the women's side, there's so much potential. And um, to have these role models definitely helps. And um, 
yeah, we'll see. <laughs> when you'll have at Challenge Roth next week, you'll have Annie, you'll have Laura, you'll have uh, you'll, you'll have Chelsea, the last three Ironman World Champions will all be going head to head. It's going to be really fun. You know, what's interesting, yeah. I was just chatting with Annie and she was, she's 40 and she's feel, and she won that Ibiza race, you know, the shorter, shorter than a 70.3, but in her head, she's still an Olympic athlete. She still sees herself as these Ironman things are long and sort of boring and yeah, but she sees herself as this, you know, as somebody who still trains like she's an Olympic distance athlete and I'm 40. Why can't I be faster at 42 than I was at, at 38? Uh, but she's she's been in the sport for, she says, I, I've been in the sport for 13 years. You've been in the sport for how many years? Also 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> 30. Um, yeah. I mean, that's when I started. I was basically eight or nine years old. Now I'm 38. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's done 13. You've done 30. So, yeah, yeah. I can I, I can I can totally see that. Sebi, it's gonna be such a treat to see you next week at uh, at Challenge Roth, man. It's gonna be. It, it, I know it's tough because you're going there and people are cheering and you're like, "Hey, but I'm racing. I'm here to race." <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah, I'm a legend and all that cool stuff, but I'm not here to to live off a legacy. I want to. I want to win. The last time I'm here, I want to be. I want to be competitive. I want to be in the hunt. Yeah, I want to be competitive. I think I'm. Uh... To say I want to win, of course I want to win. That's not a question. Yeah. But I mean, uh, to really say it, it's my goal to win, it's a total different different story. Right. But um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's a it's difficult, but I will also really enjoy it. And we talked about you know having a bad preparation and then having a good race. It's something like that because there's no pressure on me. You know, like right. nobody expects me to to win. Um, and uh, I think it's a it's a great situation, you know, um, being an underdog, but at the same time a legend. <laughs> it's a pretty good combination to go into the last um, year and uh, race Roswell one last time. I love it. Sebi, I, I always appreciate all the time you've taken with us over the years. And I remember our first radio interview back in, I don't know, it was 2011, 2012, somewhere along those lines. And it's uh, it's actually been really fun to sort of chronicle your career all these years it's been it's been a treat and it if you come if you decide to do that gravel stuff next year the that would be such a treat because wow. i think it'll be great for your youtube channel yeah people will love that yeah i would love it too and then uh, maybe we have to have a breakfast uh in in unbound or something we'll like go that to unbound <laughs> or we'll we'll go to uh we do a lot of stuff with Challenge Athlete Foundation at Leadville. So we certainly yeah, can cool. do that too. You would love it. I'm I'm happy to get involved, Bob, anytime. I love it. Sebastian Keenley has been our guest. Again, a breakfast with Bob. Dotev, Challenge Roth edition. Debbie, as always, thanks so much for your time. And we'll catch you next week. See ya.